yes, people, it is part two, part two of this week's echo chamber, and boy, we have jammed it up, people, trust me, it's a heavy one, three films, three bangers, so, are you ready? Let's fucking go! Okay, people, so, so, let's get this jump in. We're going to start off with the new film from Tom Hanks. Well, starring Tom Hanks, obviously, Apple TV+. Plus. It is Finch. Okay, people, so... Man, I was um, really lucky enough to be center screener for Finch. So I thought I would give it a look, right? It's the new Tom Hanks film. I think that's all I really knew. But I was intrigued because I saw the poster and you have Hanks in a spacesuit, right? So I'm like, okay. All right, old Tommy is getting into uh, a little bit of space business. So what is this film about, right? That was the uh, that was the big question, people. That was the big question. All right, so, um, you know, it's directed by Miguel Sapochnik. Right, who uh, you know, he's directed some Game of Thrones, right? And he won an award for that, so you know, and I you kind of feel most of the people directing Game of Thrones were good, right? They 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 handled their business, so he's been behind one film, you know, one film. Right, and that was in 2010. So you're like, huh, what, what's he been doing? That's a long ass time ago. But yo, he's got some great TV credits under his house, under his hat, even under his house. Huh, you know, he, he's directed episodes of House, episodes of Fringe, right? Both. Very good. Falling Skies, which I heard was decent, but I never watched it. The same with Under the Dome, you know what I mean? And a lot of other, you know, big stuff that, yeah, like True Detective, Master of Sex, you know what I mean? Like all names. He did Iron Fist or Carbon, both I enjoyed, right? And he's going to be working on the new Game of Thrones. He's one film was, as I said, look, it was back in 2010. It was Repo Man, right? And um, I enjoyed that, right? It wasn't a bad film. It wasn't a bad film, you know? It, I, yeah. Jude Law, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it, people. I enjoyed it. But, yes. So, it's, they say it's from a spec script, 
which I feel is kind of like the blacklist shit, right? You know what I mean? It's an idea, and then you flesh it out a little bit. But it was from Craig Luck and Ivor Powell. Now, Luck, Powell, and Spacknick, they also all helped produce the film, along with Daniel Mays, Kevin Mishner, Jack Rapak, and Robert Zumakis. Cinematography was Joe Williams. Uh, it's edited by Tim Porter. Music is Gustavo Santanalia. All right. And, um, yeah, it, it's a, when we say cast, you know, it's, it's not a lot of people up in this film, right? So you have Tom Hanks, who plays Finch, you know? We then also have... Um, Goodyear, who's played by Seamus, and, you know, other than a few, Seamus, you know, doesn't have to do a whole lot, but look cute as a dog, chase balls, you know what I mean, do that dog life, right, we have got, then Jeff, who is voiced by Caleb Landry-Jones, right, and, uh, yeah, that's it, the other people, we see some people, but they're not really, um, they don't have talking parts. Like Emily Jones is the voice of the warning system for um, Finch and his truck and whatnot, right? So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's the, the whole thing. It was one of these films that was meant to come out, but got delayed, got delayed. Now, they, it was originally called Bios, which I have to say, I think Finch is a better title. Neither are amazing, but I think Finch is a better title than Bios. Bios is just like, huh? You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, people, so what is this about, right? That's what you're asking. Well, Ten years have passed since a solar flare destroyed the ozone layer. Increasing temperatures to 150 degrees, that's, 70 de that's Fahrenheit, 70 degrees Celsius, and turning the planet Earth into a largely uninhabitable wasteland scorched by ultraviolet radiation and subject to extreme weather events. Right, one of the few survivors, robotics engineer Finch Weinberg, who lives alone with his dog Goodyear and helper robot Dewey in an underground laboratory in St. Louis. Right? Um, yeah, it, it was basically where Finch used to work. Finch only ventures outside to search for supplies with a heat and ultraviolet resistant suit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not the, um, you know, best of existence, but he decides to build a robot, right, to um, protect things, yeah? So it's a film about Life, love, and friendship, and what it means to be human. Oh, it's kind of 
kind of cute. It's kind of cute, right? Now, right, because I just, was it last year? I think we had um, News of the World, right? That was another Tom Hanks film, which at the time I thought was about the newspaper, right? I thought, uh, making a film about the newspaper? Like, why? <laughs> But it wasn't that. And I did enjoy that one, right? So it's like, oh, another Hanks film. How's this going to be? And Hanks, you know, he's notoriously always trying to play the good guy and everything like that. You know, like, his films are endearing. They're, they're, They're for that family market, I would say. And, yeah, sometimes, right, he had the film about that dude that, reads kids stuff and smiles a lot which again not a bad film it was a nice film right but sometimes you want that bite they don't always have that bite to them but i was like yo let me see what this is about and i have to say uh, at first i wasn't quite sure right now not to say it was bad because it opened up with him looking for supplies Right, and the way he was utilizing Dewey, I was just like, yo, that makes sense, right? Because Zui, he was like, oh, bottle, Dewey picked it up. I'm thinking, boom, yeah, helps with radiation, right? All of those things is, is you know, a sensible precaution. So they were doing things in this post-apocalyptic world that you think, all right, yeah, I get that. And you don't always see in these films. Right, a lot of times you have these worlds and they do things, you'd be like, um, would you really be doing that in that situation? That seems a bit like mm. so it made sense, right? And then we see him, you know, the precautions he takes and all those sort of things, and he's talking to Goodyear and all of that kind of stuff. But I noticed something, right? I and it, I think it's not something that's like necessarily a secret, but I think like the reveal comes later in the film, but I picked up on a few little bits and bobs and I realized what the film was. And I thought that, that made it something a bit more to me, right? Once I realized why he's building this robot and what the fuck, I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, because there is a point when you're thinking, well, there's, you know, in the blurb, right, is 10 years. You don't get that information in the film. I didn't really feel. Maybe I missed something. Maybe there's a visual cue. I don't know. But I didn't really get the duration of time he's been in this bunker, you know, living since the calamity. But. Yeah, so he's building a robot, and you see all these books and this stuff, and you're thinking, hmm, why? And why build a robot now, right? So that, you're a little curious about that kind of stuff. But yeah, once you realize, like, okay, that makes sense, right? And so it's this kind of, um, you know, this new life, this nature v nurture right essentially um and he's teaching the robot stuff and you know we get a montage of all of that kind of things and it's fine it's fine right but then yeah they they get have to move they have to move from the bunker 
you're not quite sure why right now because it says how many days will i be here and it gives a day right but you kind of feel all right but don't you have supplies right it was a bit like huh why is that so detrimental like what's the issue but we don't yeah we don't really get that explained but they do go out and then it's how are they going to do this right how are they going to survive how are they going to make this interesting and it was interesting i'll say it was a nice film and we see this learning curve and all of this. Now, the one thing is, right, there are these moments and like, calamity happens and he's, like, shouting at uh, Jeff. Jeff's the robot. But you do kind of think, mm, you're a smart motherfucker, right? You built a robot. You've, you know, probably built Dewey. You've done all of this stuff. You're an engineer. So you should know, right? If you haven't programmed a robot to do these things and it, it takes, you know, time to build in that recognition of, oh, let's do this, and boom, 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 then why are you shouting at a robot, right? And I get the fact, like frustration and irritation, boom, 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 but then you kind of would assume to be like, what am I doing? Shouting at a fucking robot. This is insane. Like something like that, you feel me? But there isn't, but I will say that is nitpicking, right? That's nitpicking people, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of interesting the way it all kind of unfolded. There was a moment though with the whole radiation and all of this, which then later on, and it's just like, but isn't what? Huh? Right, yeah, it was a bit confusing. And then when they introduce this stuff, bum bum bum, you'd be like, ah, that seems a bit quick. And then that first bit with the hand, how do you get from that to that so fast? Right, if one day it's that, then surely you're not gonna suddenly boom, you get that, right? But again, it, you know. I kind of figure it's not essentially that, right? Those little bits and bobs that come up that you think, huh, doesn't necessarily fit, right? It, it's not really that. The film is essentially about this relationship between Finch, Goodyear, and Jeff, right? It's about that. And, you know, is a little cheesy is a little cliched in places, you know, why won't he like me, it's all about trust, right, and then the moment when the trust is found, and you're like, yeah, obviously, obviously, yeah, okay, okay, but, 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 it is handled well, you know, I think it looks great, right, very nice cinematography, you do get the feel of these people in this vast space, you know, traveling around in this deserted, you know, earth. Although we do realize, oh, there are people, right? It's just, he doesn't like people, right? He's avoiding them. 
So you, you, there, there is this interesting component to it. And I like that little addition, you know, because it would be like, wait, huh? Wait, he's the only, like, huh? So, I, I, you know, adding these little bits and bobs in, it works. It's nice, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't feel it was like grandstanding or because you know he had moments in like i am legend where he, he does the shrek monologue and it's a bit much it's a bit much because it's too oh look at me look at me and you didn't really get that with this it, it was more focused on the story and this you know relationship and all of that which is yeah it works for you right you know Definitely work for you. I see a lot of people, you know, saying Johnny Five and you know short, which is short circuit, right? But you know, for me, it kind of felt like The Martian, but on more of a adventure because you know The Martian was very focused to essentially the habitat. Now he does go on the rover journey, right? But other than that, it's all very in, a, you know, a couple of places, boom, 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 which I loved. I loved the Martian. The Martian is great. But the, you know, Finch kind of channels that, but then takes it more, glo I say global. <laughs> They're just in the States, you know, driving around, you know what I mean? Van life. <laughs> but. Yeah, it, it, it opens it up a bit more. It opens it up a bit more and adds in a few different elements, you know? So, um, yeah, I would say if you were a fan of The Martian, then you, I think you'll enjoy this. You know, they're different films, right? And I would say this is definitely more family-orientated, but it still, it still works, right? It still works. So although Cruz... Again, he he very he plays safe with the content. The content does work, you know. If you want your kids to, you know, mess around in that post pop apocalyptic sandbox, then I feel this is something you can give them. Right, this is something you can give them and go. Listen, unless you follow little Greta Thunberg. This might happen. This might be your future. <laughs> but yeah, no, Finch. Hey, it's playing on Apple TV Plus, right? So obviously you need an Apple TV Plus account so you can watch it, you can enjoy it, divulge it, you know? But um, hey, I think if you sign up, you get a week's trial. Something like that, two weeks trial, maybe. So, yeah, I mean, boom, open it up, check it out, you know, dip your feet in. And I think, yeah, I think this is something that will, you know, make people go, all right, good content, good content. And again, yeah, Finn, um, Hanks, you know, second year in a row, he produces a, a very heartfelt, decent film, you know. News of the World was Netflix. This is Apple. He's, you know, spreading his love around. <laughs> but yes, I think Mr. Rogers, was it Mr. Rogers? 
one day in a neighborhood, something like that, right? I think that was Netflix as well. Yeah, I think it was. Maybe it wasn't. I forget. Anyway, I digest. No, I don't know why I always say I digest. I digest is something completely different. I digress, motherfucker. That's what I'm saying. Any way. Finch, you know, definitely, definitely worth a watch, you know, definitely worth a watch. Look, if you want something more adult, it's not going to do that. But it, it, it takes boxes. They do, you know, throw in some stuff to stir the pot a little bit as well. Right. One thing, just one aside. Now, it doesn't really affect the film, but. I'm always curious because with a film like this and you see people on that journey, right? And they put on the radio or their tapes, CDs, whatever, whatever. And they listen to music and you always see people playing, you know, like this one went to old tracks like American Pie and stuff like that. You know, stuff that's known, popular stuff. You know, sometimes it'll be new stuff, depending, I guess, which artist you've got an endorsement with or label and all of that business. But one thing that I always wonder, right, because I kind of feel, especially 10 years in, you're now on deep cuts, right? You're doing those album tracks. You're doing those albums that, you know, people probably didn't maybe hear about, like that Ghostface album that didn't really make any noise is killer, you know, and then you have your playlists of your favorite shit, so if you're, if it's a bad day or something, you can throw that on and bring yourself back up, but yeah, I always feel, ah, they never show that, never show that, and it, ah, I wonder, but as I said, look, it's a little side, don't really matter, doesn't affect the film, people, Finch, post-apocalyptic, Tom Hanks, you know, Tom Hanks heartfelt niceness. So yeah, if you want to lift yourself up, you know, something to remind you what humanity is, then this could be the thing for you. All right, people. So next we jump to Netflix. Alright, the first of our next batch of Netflix joints. And um, yo, this is one that uh hey, it's a powerful one, people. It is the new film starring fuck, Tessa Thompson and Ruth Negger. That's it. Woo! It is passing. <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, Passing is now on Netflix, which is good because I missed it at the London Film Festival, unfortunately, you know what I mean? It was one of those films I wanted to see, but conflicts and everything like that. Um, but yeah, it is the directorial debut of Rebecca Hall, who wrote, um, yeah, wrote this adaptation, right? Because it is based on the, oh gosh, um, 1929, right? 1929 novel 
by Nella Larson. Right, and it's funny, Larson, she only wrote two books, this and Quicksand before that. Some short stories, but that was kind of it. But they were two books that really did have an impact. Probably more, I think maybe more after her death, you know, than when she was around. Although I think she did get recognition for them. But yeah, so Hall has adapted this. Supposedly, I think it took her 10 years um, to, to be able to get it to the screen, which is, you know, it's impressive perseverance, right? Uh, so she also produced it along with Margaret Hand, Forrest Whitaker, and Nina Yang Binogovi. Um, cinematography is Eduard Gura. Uh, it's edited by Sabine Hoffman. Music is Devonte Hines. And our cast, which is super impressive. Super impressive cast, man. Uh, we have got Tessa Thompson as Irene Redford. Redfield, even. Um, Andre Holland plays her husband, Brian Redfield. Uh, we've got Ruth Neger as Claire Bello. And uh, Alexander Skarsgård plays her husband, John Bello. We then have Ashley Ware Jenkins as Zoo. She is um, Irene's help in the house. Uh, you have Hugh Wentworth, who's played by Bill Camp. Dave Freeland, who's played by Geneba, Geneg, Jibanega Ikawambi. And uh, Felice, played by Ant Antoinette Crow Legacy. So... Uh, yeah, that's probably the, the, you know, the main cast right there. So the gist of the piece. Well, Passing follows the unexpected reunion of two high school friends whose renewed acquaintance ignites a mutual obsession that threatens both their carefully constructed realities. So, um... Yeah, it's shot in black and white, right? Monochrome, as a professional may say, which is very interesting because I think it does add that little sign sign to the film, right? And also, I think it makes the idea easier. I think it makes the idea easier and also because I know people it's a weird one because I think mean, you just look at Neger and Thompson and you're just like yeah obviously both are black right which is one of those crazy things but it's like um yeah, it's a weird one because I 
definitely understand the situation. So the the whole thing is, and the, the, and the title being passing is being able to pass as white, right? It it was this uh, idea that you know Larson had in her book, but it's also something that you know it, it gets talked about all the time. I mean, well, I guess it depends. You know, I mean, way way you're. Uh, floating around when you hear these things but yeah it's something it's something people um so you know both claire and irene are from mixed families so you know they're lighter skinned right irene is lighter than brian her husband uh which then of say affords the ability right which is a fucked up thing. But it's like, you know, when you think about the time, right? Segregation was still a thing. Just all of that, right? When this film was made. Well, when this film was based on, you know, the time it was based on. Because obviously it was made now, you know? Uh, but yeah, so you had all of those things, right? Lynchings, the clan, just it wasn't good, right, it, it, it wasn't good, although, <laughs> you know, it is a funny thing, because at least it was out in the open, right, nowadays, a lot of the shit we put up with, it, it's all secret, you know what I mean, people hide behind papers, and, you know, just bullshit, to, to help, you know, keep people out and shit like that. But yeah, so I think Claire is probably lighter than Irene, right? And, and so Claire, she married a wealthy white dude and Irene, she married a black doctor and lives currently in Harlem. Uh, so the film starts off, and it's a sweltering hot day. You know, we, we see someone faint. Um, Irene, she, she jumps into a cab, and she's like, oh, take me to the Dorchester Hotel. So she goes there, which, you know, if she was darker, she probably ain't going there. You know what I mean? But yeah, she... She's there, and she sees someone, right? And you don't know the full recognition or not, right? But Irene stops her, and they talk, and she's like, you, you, I know you, right? And then, you know, Claire's like, oh, yeah, I recognize your laugh, right? So they start talking. And, you know, Claire fills her in, right? So there's, you know, I, I think it makes sense when you think of Claire's situation, how she grew up, it does make sense. You know what I mean? Her dad died, so she goes to live with her aunts, and, um, yeah, her aunts are white. 
right? So she's in that environment. So then, obviously, this wealthy white dude, he sees her, and he's not going to think anything else because he sees her with, you know, white people. So he's going to think, oh, yeah, obviously. So, yeah, she marries John. Ah, but, you know, Irene, she married Andre, like Brian even. (laughs) And we, we start to then, you know, these two people, like, talking. And there's a hesitance, right? But then you see there's a curiosity about each other's lives and how, you know, how they've evolved, how they've, you know, acclimatized to their situations, as it were, right? So we have that. We then, we we often see um, Irene's, you know, family life, right? And you can then see the, the, it's not, I wouldn't say struggle, but there's a difference in opinion at home. Right with, uh, yeah, with her husband, because you know the the way they think of you know raising their children. They got two children, and Brian, he's raising them with the, you know, with the notion of what the world really is. Right, he wants them to know it's not good. Right, people get lynched. Shit happens. You have to be prepared for this. And Irene wants to shelter him from that. Right now, one of the first thing we we hear about her wanting to sheltering is about sex education. Right, that's the first thing, which I do think that's an. I I feel that's a good way to bring to kind of get into all of that. Right. Because it just shows it's not just this thing. I mean, it's not just a racial element. She's just trying to protect her kids and have them grow up without notions of all these things, right? She wants to secure their innocence, you know what I mean? Which you understand, you can get. Because when do you, you know, tell your kid, hey, when you're out in the world, someone might shout, <laughs> yeah, damn word at you, right? So there's all of this. It's like, but on the flip, you got to let them know, right? You got to let them know because the first time you hear it, people. It's not a good thing, you know what I mean? So there is this, right? There is this kind of situation at home. And you can see, like, there's a moment that shows that I think Irene kind of sometimes gets in her head, like they're dressing and she kind of shoes Brian that way. And then she's just like, ah, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do love you. Right, so you kind of feel like there's an anxiety, you know what I mean, there, 
right? You might feel that maybe she's not showing enough emotion and she's too on edge all the time and this kind of thing. So we have this. And then Claire comes in, right? Claire comes in. Her kids love Claire, you know? Brian has his doubts at first, but that changes. And Claire wants to spend more and more time with them, which is an interesting thing. And they, you know, Irene, she's part of like the black activist community and she hosts a lot of parties and goes to a lot of parties, right? With, um, there's a lot of white authors and people that come to these parties, right? Which you think, oh, boom, that's good, right? We're starting to get this integration, you know, the, the, the push for change would be coming from stuff like this. But it's like you see the parties and, hey, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Because even people that be like, I'm progressive, aren't always as progressive as they'd like you to think, right? Because there's still ingrained prejudices or faults and notions and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, like the scene, I mean, there's one scene and Hugh, the author, he, he says to Irene, but she spills the beans on Claire to him. And he's just like, oh, you'd never have known. I mean, is there something intrinsic in you people that allows you to know, to sense the difference? And you're just like, yo, son, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, what are you saying? Right? When... It's facial features, man. Like, you can tell from facial features and just things like that. You know, it's the thing that always does surprise me because, yeah, it's just like, I feel it's an obvious thing. I mean, I mean you can even tell, right, African and Caribbean, right? I mean, that's an easy thing to tell, you know, or um, other parts of the world, right? But yeah, you know, we see all of these things and they are handled extremely well. You know, it all comes across. You do believe in these situations. And yeah, a lot of them are like, you, you can feel the uncomfortableness of the interaction. You know, it's like Hugh said that to Irene and all of this. And so it's like this weirdness that's going on. And you see. You, you see this kind of struggle Irene is going through, right? Does she want Claire to come into her life? Because she obviously likes Claire, you know, but Claire represents this different life, this possibly easier life, all right? But the sacrifices Claire has to make, you know, like, there's a conversation with, um, them all, Claire, Irene, and John in, uh, Claire and John's hotel room, and 
I mean, it's not good, right? John comes out as a fully-fledged racist motherfucker. But it is all... And the great thing about the conversation, because it's all said, like, a, a, you know, just a natural side, like, well, you know, because he feels comfortable. He thinks he's talking to another white woman. And so he's just like, yeah, boom, boom, boom. Oh, her nickname is Nig. And you're just like, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So Claire has to go through her daily life with her husband calling her Nig. Right? Thinking it's a little joke. Right? And you're just like, shit. But there's all of this. There's all of this happening. So... You know, it, it's just like, is Claire leaving a better life? Or is Irene leaving the better life? It's all there. But, you know, as Claire integrates herself more and more into Irene's world, you, you can see that Irene is, I mean, she's feeling left out outshone, very neglected, right, from her kids, from her husband, friends, but then she's very defensive, you know, when people say certain shit, right, and and so it's interesting as hell, man, this film is just, just, really just gets fucking inside you, right, gets inside you, because, I think, as I said, look, doing this in black and white, I think this was, you know, masterful, masterful, it was a great choice, but, right, you you need the performances, you need the performances, without those, this film doesn't have the same impact, Right, it's all about nuance. It's all about the conversation, the subtleties, the movements, everything like that. And it's all done with a plum, baby. It's all done with a plum. Everyone are tremendous, tremendous performances. Because we get these little looks, you know, Zoo when she's, you know, helping out in the house and people, you know, Claire and Irene are saying things, and you get a, a quick little glance from Zoo. And just stuff like that. And it's just like, yo, okay, okay, right, right. For the end, fuck, the end of this motherfucking film, right? It's funny because this week there's two films with these endings that really just, yeah. Hit you in different ways. And this one, I was, I'm, you know, I'm watching, I'm gripped. But the ending just had me like, yeah, you know I mean? I'm just sitting there just like, wait, what the fuck just happened? What the fuck just happened? No. No. And what's worse, what's worse, what's worst is then, the way it has to be handled, and you're like, oh, god damn 
at it. And it just, whew, I know, man, it just had all these emotions just flood you, right? Now, maybe not everyone, but there's definitely some memories of shit that just hit you, and you're just like, yo, this is fucked up, man. This is fucked up. But, yeah, you do kind of think how... How else was this going to end? I mean, obviously, you're hoping it wasn't going to end like that, but it wasn't going to end nicely. Right? wasn't going to end nicely, especially after a certain incident that happens. So, yeah. Oh, I'm very glad I did get to see this film. Um yeah, it's one of those films that isn't going to be in your, you know, your rotation necessarily. Like, you will go back to it, but not as regularly, maybe, as some films. But that's not because it's bad. It's just because, man, it's so emotional, right? And that that's like, you know, those deep-seated emotions, right? Not just that happy and joy, excitement when you're watching something, but the stuff that sits inside you, takes root, right? That really just has you thinking once the fucking screen stops. You know what I mean? That permeates into your soul and makes you... Just reflect on what that shit would have been like those times and times now, right? The struggle and just the predicament people find themselves in. So, yeah, you you know what I mean? And it's just like, yo, (laughs) man, you you can't just be on that tip 24-7. So, yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be in the general rotation, but I definitely will be coming back to this at some point. And it's something that you will recommend to people because it is it is something definitely worth watching, which is great because it's on Netflix. So, yeah, people will be able to do that. Um, but, yeah, people passing is it's tremendous for a first-time, you know, writer-director, right? Very good. And as I say, performances, oh, so good. Just, I think it's just the way it's lit, right? Just the, you know, the clothes, everything just looked so good. And, and it really just sucked you into those times, right? Sucked you into those times. So, yeah, if you like. You know, it's, it's probably similar to, and it's funny, Nega was in that one too, loving, right? When, when you look at those old-time stories that deal with these situations, you have things like that. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff, right? There's a lot of other stuff. But, yeah, I would say people. Um, it, 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 it's definitely, it is definitely worth to watch right it's definitely worth to watch and it will make you 
will make you think. Will make you think, people. So, yeah, be <laughs> be prepared. Be prepared because it, it's not like it's not for the light-hearted, and it, it, it's not that. It's just it's not a happy-go-lucky film, right? It's not a happy-go-lucky film, and it's something that does hit the emotions. So, yeah. Think about the appropriate time to watch it. But people, do check it out, alright? And that is passing. Alright, people. And our last joint for part two. It is uh, boy. It's something a little special, right? It, it, it's this era's Love Jones, maybe, right? Woo! It is a really love. Okay, people. So, um, boy, it, I put it in my, uh, I put it in my Netflix list the other week when it dropped, right, and man, like, I, I couldn't, you know what I mean, you know, sometimes a film comes, and you might not know a whole heap about it, right, but you know, you know that you need to hold that, right, that you can't, you, you don't want to rush that shit, you know what I mean, don't want to, jump on it straight away you need to make sure you've got the right time so you can absorb it all right and uh yeah that was the case with really love you know i was just like all right i, I do not i know i want to watch this film man but um yeah <laughs> you know, really like i i, I don't want to rush it, you know what I mean, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to watch it and miss anything, you know, I want that stuff to pass over my head, you feel me, so yeah, I gave, I, I gave it a little time, and you know, now I've watched it, and god damn, god damn, Whew. I felt that, people. I felt that. Alright, so um, yeah, let's get into these details. Alright, so um it is the feature debut from Angel Christie Williams. Um now the the screenplay is from Felicia Pride, and this is her feature debut feature screenplay feel me now the weird thing is like on wikipedia it says that they both wrote the piece but then later on it says that pride <laughs> you know I mean showed williams the screenplay and was like i'd like you to make my film so you know mm, now maybe williams added some stuff right and so she gets a rise credit i don't know i don't know but yeah yeah, but um, 
Yeah, Williams, she also produces the film along with Aaliyah Williams, Kim Roth, Charles D. King, Mel Jones, Poppy Hanks, Sanford Grimes, Letitia Fortune, Kim Coleman, and Stephanie Elaine. Screen the cinematography, pardon me, cinematography is from Sean Peters. It's edited by Stephen Priston and Brian Ulberg. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the weird thing is, it, it seemed to hit everywhere else in August, but yo, know, it's only just come to Netflix in the UK. You know, which is crazy because, yeah, a lot of spots hit, hit in August were in Europe. So I don't know why it took so long to come to the UK, but hey, I'm glad it did. Very glad it did. All right. So the gist of the uh, the gist of the film, people, is this: it's set in contemporary Washington D.C. A rising black painter strives to break into the competitive art world while balancing a bittersweet romance he never expected with an ambitious law student. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's the gist of the film, right? And it's funny, man. Like there's these stories, you know, they're, oh, oh, you know what? No, <laughs> my bad. I just realized I'm an idiot. Okay, so our cast, right? We have Isaiah, who's played by Kofi Isaiah Maxwell, I should say, played by uh, Kofi Sibo, right? He's our artist, and Stevie. You know, Stevie, she is, um, yeah, she's our law student, Stevie Solomon. And, uh, you know, she is played by Yufa Wong Lusing, right, who I can't put my finger on where I've seen her. I know I've seen her in enough things, right? Um, so Stevie's dad is played by Blair Underwood. That's Jerome. And um, her mother, Anne, is played by Suzanne Douglas. Her cousin, Sissy, Cicely, is played by Nichiri Norton, right? Um, yeah, so Isaiah, he's now okay. I'm gonna have to go somewhere else because I don't have full information here, which is always just very bad. Hey, okay, let's. So Isaiah's mother, Regina, is played by Maria Broom, right? 
Um, he's got a sister, Claudette, played by Dominic Cooper. And doo -doo -doo. he's hmm. I mean, yeah, I know his dad was up in the piece, but I can't, yeah, I'm not quite sure who played his dad. Oh, his dad was played by J. Arthur E. Brooks and Isaiah Senior. All right, um, we have. Yeah, Isaiah's uh, his best friend Nick, who's played by Tristan McWilds, and um, Nick's girlfriend uh, Chene, who's played by Uzu Aduba. Right, I have um, Anne, who is play. Um, yeah, no, we did the Anne. Um, Mecca Jerima, uh, who's played by Jade. Estata, um, Yusuf Davis, a well-known painter, is played by Michael Ely. You know what I mean? People, 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 people. Man. Yeah, they're our main cast. And as I said, listen, there's these stories that you know what I mean? Like, listen, we know the beats, right? We know the beats. And sometimes these things, you know, you watch them and they're fine, right? They're fine. But then sometimes you watch something and it just ingrains itself in you. You know what I mean? It, 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 you just feel it. And yeah, it's one of those things, man. Like you, you just this first meeting, right? So you see them both out having fun, they're enjoying, and then when they cross paths, right? And, and you see, you know, they they exchange glasses, and Isaiah comes over and he drops some, he drops some, you know, some lines trying to get, you know, that introduction, but it's. It's that connection that you see, right? It doesn't feel forced, right? That I think mean, that's the magic of this piece. Like everything felt real, right? It felt like conversations that you may have had, you know, days out that you may have had, you know, conflicts that you may have come up against. You know what I mean? And, and it, it just resonates with you. Right? It's just like, whew. You know what I mean? Like at the very beginning, and he walks her home, right? Walks her home. And then it's that first goodbye. But you you know you want to ask a question because you're just like, oh man, I don't. we've spent hours, hours together, but we don't want this shit to end right now even though it's ending right now. So it's just like, how can this move forward? You know what I mean? So it's just like, you'd be like, all right, bye. And then you kind of linger and you're just like, you know what I mean? You walk around and be like, all right, so, hey, I was just wondering. You know what I mean? And it's just the way it was all delivered. 
I mean, because it's not rushed and you do it slow because it's just like, ah, is this going to work? Bum, bum, bum. And, and there, and then it goes, right? And what I really liked was then the next day, you know what I mean? The next day, because you understand the situation here. He's a, he's an artist. He, at this point, he's not selling she, but he's talented. But that means he's broke. Right. So the second day, it was a date that reflected the economic means, but it was still a fly day. Right. And that's what you do. You know what I mean, that's what you do. You, you, you put together a situation that is, yo, that is fire. Right. That you know they're going to dig. But it's like, OK. I'm, I'm, I can't destroy my budget, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if I do that, then the, the, the next day has to be on a level and I can't afford to do that. But I like this person, so I, I need to show them that I'm not a waste of time. And then, yeah, he put together a fire little date, right? And you feel that. You be like, all right, yeah. And it was nice and because you think, yes, I've done that, man. I've done that, right? So you're watching this film and you're just like, ah, oh, it's just resonating. It's popping, it's popping. And then you just say, it's like, but then the problem, the problem with stuff like this is it resonates. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is do you feel it? Because then you start thinking about some of them situations, right? Think about some of those motherfucking situations. And it's just like, oh, God damn it. Right? And, yeah. <laughs> you just be like, ah, fuck, man. I'm a single motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. It, it, it was just these, these moments were just so nice and so real. But... You, you know what I mean? We also saw them in their elements, right? Him painting, her killing it in the law room, right? In the court, in the law room, in the motherfucking law, in the court. We saw her do a thing. So we understand what their aim is. You know what I mean? What they're striving for, which is a problem, right? Because you understand that these both of these things take work. Right, both take a lot of work, a lot of commitment, determination, perseverance, you know, and sacrifice. Now, a relationship can last, right? It can persevere, but there needs to be that equal level of compromise, right? You've got to have each other's back like that. And so, yeah, that's the thing. The film is going, and then you are seeing, you know, it's all nice, nice, right? It's those exchange glances. It's those hugs. It's those fleeting kisses. It's that hand-holding when, you know, you're just feeling that moment, right? But, but you then start to see how, as success is coming, you start to let something slide, 
you start to let something slide and it's the arguments man and you'd be like yo yo son what are you doing like what are you doing i'm like rolling my eyes at the tv i'm like cussing at the tv Right, and you find yourself like, yo, I know this is a film. Why am I so invested in this shit, man? Like, why am I like, boom, you know? And that's when you know a film gets you. Because you are, like, trying to talk to these made-up characters. You're, you're trying to be like, yo, don't do that. What are you doing? All right, listen, I understand, but just... You know, you put, give them that time because they gave that time to you. Come on, you know, which is insane. I'm, just, you know, what I mean, it's just lucky I live alone because I'm looking like a crazy motherfucker. You feel me? But it's just, yeah. It it it, it just it felt so just perfect you know what I mean? like when you think about other films you know when you think about other films that have um you know hit like that i remember in 2019 right 2019 and the bfi london film festival and it, yo we we've got the uh, I think it was 2019, yeah, it was 2019. No, it wasn't last year. And um, Rashad Esterno Green, right? Remember, he's premature, which is so good. And ah, oh, man, like at the time, I don't think he had distribution, and then it hit, then he made the deal with Hulu, and now it's on Netflix as well. And people, if you have not seen premature. You need to see premature because again, it, it's one of them. It's that one of those stories that yeah, you you've seen that story, but it hits you, man. It hits you. You know what I mean? And it's just handled so well, right? It's handled so well, and you just feel those situations, right? You you been in those situations, right? Maybe not quite some of them situations, you know what I mean? Well, I don't know. <laughs> if you didn't use protection and shit just didn't go right, then maybe, Phil. But, hey, and um, listen, I know it's shit. I'm not sure if it's on my site. It might be on the Anchor site, though, right? It might be on my Anchor site, so you should go because we, you know, we had the conversation with Green and it was a, it was a good conversation, man. But, um, yeah, it, it's these, these stories, right? So, I mean, this film made me think of Premature. It made me think of Love Jones, right? Love and Basketball. It made me feel, think of um, Sylvie's Love, you know, Amazon. We spoke, it, it dropped at Christmas time last year. We spoke about that one. That's, that's definitely on the website. You know, um, and yeah, the, these films, because these films, right, these films are like honest films. These films portray the relationship, the beats of the relationship, those intimate moments. And 
they do it with that rawness. They do that with that authenticity that you feel in your motherfucking soul. You know what I mean? Feel in your soul. And it's like, man, like the acting in this film, the acting in this film was so good. You know, Sabu and um, Wong Lusin, you know, as I said, look, they, they, they felt like they were in love. You know, it's like just the intimate moments in the film, just all of these, it just, man, it just had this, this power, this electricity to it. You know, and I don't mean in a weird way, people, right? What I mean is it's just those connections, right? You, you, you felt that connection. Really did. You know, like everyone really just gave superb performances. I loved the score. The score was fantastic and it worked so well worked so well, you know, the art was great, loved the art, right, it, it reminded me of, um, shit, an exhibition that I saw at the, uh, at the Tate, right, at the Tate, and, oh, gosh, it was, Maybe like a decade ago, man, Chris Ophelli, Chris Ophelli, and, and uh, yeah, his art is just sensational, people. If you have not seen his art, yo, you need to see his art. But it just reminded me of that, right? And just, you know, those times just walking around a gallery with, you know, a significant other and those situations and just that enjoyment, you know? And it was all there, right? So I saw, <laughs> I, I, I saw a piece, right? I, I saw a piece and it was like, fans hate the ending. And I was like, yo, what are you talking about? Right? What are you talking? I love the ending, right? I, I love the way they ended this film because, you know, I listen, if it had ended in one way, it, it kind of looks a little corny, right? Now, it could end with her slapping him, which you'd be like, yo. And you, you all understand when you watch the film, right? But that moment, that moment at the end, like it works so well. Works so well because, right? Life doesn't always happen, right? On camera, right? Life works in those moments in between, right? It's the cracks in the pavement. And that's what this be. You know what I mean? So it's just like, what happens next? You know, do they? Or does, does it not? Right, and, and I feel that's the beauty of the ending because there's so many possibilities here. There's so many possibilities because so much has happened. You know what I mean? So much has happened. And you'd be like, 
So, yeah, the ending works so well. Like, in a way, I'm kind of frustrated at some parts. You know what I mean? Well, I say one part, really. It's just the obligatory one year later, right? One year later. And I get it. I get it. But, and I tell you why, uh, you know what I mean? It, it frustrates me at times because you know that when in certain situations, right, although the communication lines might be down, there's going to be a song that comes on that will remind you of shit, right? You will see a color, smell something. You, some days you might, man, just cook something or step in a certain place in your house in a certain way and it's just going to remind you. Right, there's, there's these things that, you know, yeah, because it's like, you know, you create these postcards, right? These memory postcards. And yeah, that's what hits you. That's what will hit you throughout that year. Maybe not in the first month, maybe not in the first week, right? But there'll be times. And especially when you think, ah, you know what? Fuck that person. And then suddenly, boom. You, you, it all flashes back, right? You get hit by something and it flashes back. And you're like, oh. Sometimes it's just seeing another fucking couple holding hands and doing all of that shit. And you'd be like, oh, man. I remember when, you know? And so, I get, yeah, I get the jump. I get the, when the films do the jump, but sometimes you want to see some of those moments. Because then it makes the other stuff that follows even more powerful, you know? But it's not to say it wasn't. Because this... Yeah, people, I love this shit. I love this shit. You know? So I, I, I just highly, highly recommend you go and see really love say go and see it's on netflix people just press the motherfucking button you know what i mean press the motherfucking button put it in your list for sure put it in your list and watch it because it, it, it's just gonna make you feel you know it's gonna make you feel and it might not always be good right because it might make you think about past shit Right, might make you think about the ones that got away. Even if it's not like a one that got away, it is still gonna dredge through your feelings, right? It's still gonna dredge through your feelings, but it will end with making your heart sing, or making your soul feel warm. And you know, that's the beauty of a great story. You know, a well put together story, even though it's a story that, yes, we've essentially seen it before, but with this twist to it, right? With this unique slant. And as a debut feature, <laughs> yo, Williams and Pride have excelled. The cast excelled, just the whole crew. It excelled because really love is just really legit people so yo make your soul happy 
and put it into your life. All right. Okay, people. So that's part two. That that done. Now, all of those films, all of those films, definitely worth checking out, right? I, I mean, obviously, I've got my favourites, right? I, I kind of feel you probably yes, it's really love. You know what I mean? But all of them, all of them, very much enjoyed and worth checking out. So um, there you go. But that's not it. That's not it. We have another one for you, people. Part three. So don't go anywhere. Go check that out. All right, because we got an interview on this place. All right. So people, see you in part three. All right. Peace.